welcome to the Words and Pictures podcast. I'm DJ Bowman-Smith and this is Words and Pictures podcast number 64. This week my guest is Jennifer Silver Redmond and her book Honeymoon at Sea, How I Found Myself Living on a Boat, um, is her debut novel and she's also an editor and she's got lots to tell us about the writing process so stick around for that. So at my desk this week, well, at my desk today, in fact, I've had a bit of a milestone. I have, in fact, finished my second book in the Midwich Trilogy. So I'm quite excited. Um, yeah, you kind of think there should be a bolt of lightning or somebody rush in with a, you know, <laughs> a bottle of champagne or a chocolate cake or something, um, or at least an espresso coffee. But, uh, you know, as usual, you know, real life is not like the movies, um, you know, I kind of potted into the kitchen and said, oh, I've done it. My husband said, oh, well done, you know, and uh, I felt pretty, pretty excited. And, you know, and then he said, you know, do you want a cheese and pickle sandwich or cheese and tomato? And, um, you know, and so life goes on. And I think it's often the way with authors. I think you kind of reach these big milestones, you know, which are a big milestone in your own head, of course. And, uh, you know, to other people, it's neither here nor there. You know, you were writing away on the computer yesterday, you were today and you will be tomorrow. <laughs> you know, no, nothing really changes in the, in the you know, scheme of things for, your, for our partners and, you know, the people that we live with. But anyway, for me, in my own head, I do feel, you know, that I've reached this point. I've got my first draft under my belt. You know, so I'm kind of feeling that life is good, really. Uh, so what happens next? Well, it, you know, it's a long process bringing a book out to the world. Um, I kind of edit as I go along. So I kind of write a couple of thousand words. You know, I, write, I try to write a thousand words a day. Usually I'll write a couple of thousand words a day. And when I come back in the morning um, or whenever I sit down to write, which is usually either late morning or early afternoon, uh, the first thing I do is I go over my work and I have a look at it and uh, I kind of correct whatever I can at that point. And then, and then I move on and write the next bit. And sometimes I might not, if I'm really ready to write, I don't let the muse, you know, I don't keep the muse waiting. If I know exactly where I'm, you know, what I'm going to write that minute, then I, then I obviously get on with it because, you, you know, you should. Uh, but I will definitely, you know, come back in pretty shortly, you know, the next day or the day after and, you know, get that bit edited. So it, it's, it's a fairly clean draft. I mean, understanding that I am dyslexic, so there'll be a few, you know, howlers in there. <laughs> um, so what's next? Well, I've got quite a few notes that I make as I'm working on anything. And, uh, and I kind of want to go through my notebook and just check you know, through things, because I might have said, you know, if I put an idea in, I might think, oh, you know, I need to sort of, um, I mentioned this idea earlier in the text before it actually happens. There's all sorts of funny little things like this. Um, and it might be something really silly. I mean, I've got a, I've got a note here on my desk on a sticky that says something about a tea cosy. And I swear to God, I don't quite remember what exactly I want to put in about this tea cosy. But anyway, there's a tea cosy in it and I need to go and check that. So there's things like that. Um, I, you know, I might have changed somebody's name. There'll be all sorts of things. And also, I, I keep a kind of an, a running notebook where, um, you know, if, if, if something funny occurs to me that I think would work, then I kind of write it down. And sometimes it's kind of nice to go back and just remind yourself what those things are and just to see if you did, in fact, put them in. I mean, sometimes they don't fit and you can't kind of, I don't want it to be contrived. Obviously, it's contrived. It's a work of fiction and it's nonsense. But you know what I mean? I don't want it to feel contrived to the reader. So, you know, I will go go and have a little look at all my notes and things and just make sure that, you know, if there was a funny bit and I thought, oh, I really did want to have that in. Um, I might have a look and see where it could go or, or you know, 
once again, you might see something and think, oh, yes, I should have put that in there. And so you go back and sort that out. Uh, and then I'll be kind of, so I'll be going over it the first time, looking at the actual structure of the story, you know, comparing it to my notes and sorting that out. And then I'll go over it again. And then I'll be really looking at sentence structure and looking at that kind of thing so that it's, so that it reads well. And uh, I'll probably go over it three or four times over the next two weeks before it actually hits my lovely editor um, uh, in her mailbox. So yeah, happy days. So that's me. So I've finished my first draft and I'm feeling woohoo. So yeah, and I actually had the afternoon off, <laughs> which is pretty, pretty unlike me because I normally, well, I'm still here sitting, you know, I'm waiting to do a podcast actually. And I've got an hour. It's an evening one. Um, it's somebody from overseas. So I thought, well, I I can't sort of sit for an hour thinking I've got to get up in an hour, if you know what I mean. I'd rather just carry on doing something. So I thought, right, I'll come in here. I'll put this front of matter on this podcast and I'll I'll get on and um, do some, uh, you know, uh, editing and have a little fiddle with this since I've got to set all the sound equipment up for for the podcast um, interview in a moment. So I've got kind of 45 minutes where I can kind of do that. So that'll be another job out of the way. So that's good. So that's what I'm doing. But I did have the afternoon off. My husband and I took the dog to a park. We went to a garden centre. It was all very nice. So yeah, happy days. And I am planning a day off in the week. It's uh, Monday as I sit here and on Wednesday, it's sort of early September. It's late September, as I say in here, and um, and probably actually the funny thing is I thought by the time this goes live and you're listening to me saying I've just finished my first draft of the Mid- Midwich too, um, it will in fact will be with the editor, all things being equal, nothing goes too wrong, or you know I might read it through and it might be dreadful. <laughs> I think oh no, um, I'm sure it's fine, and I think you just have that kind of feeling oh you know perhaps I've written a complete load of rubbish, but anyway. There will, we shall see. We shall press on. Anyway, so that's me. So come and meet um, Jennifer Silver Redman. She's a lovely person. I know you're going to like her. Here we go. On the Words and Pictures podcast this week, my guest is Jennifer Silver Redmond. Um, she's an editor and she's a writer. And she, her new book, Honeymoon at Sea, How I Found Myself Living on a Small Boat, is out now. Um, so, Jennifer, how, in fact, did you find yourself living on a small boat? <laughs> Well, there's a long answer, of course, which is this book. But the short answer is um, I had known my husband for a number of years. Um, We had known each other off and on for for years and we dated and then we were um, split up and I moved to New York where I was an actress. And um, and so I was waiting tables, which is what actors do in New York, of course. And um, I decided after five years of not seeing this old boyfriend of mine that I would uh, come home and spend some time with my family uh, for the holidays. So I did that. And uh, of course, I called him like you do, you know, just very casual. And <laughs> we uh, we ended up getting together. We ended up going out sailing on his boat, which I hadn't done before. And um, he proposed. And and I said, well, that's all very well and good, except for that, you know, I live in New York and you live in San Diego. And he said, well, I'll move to New York. And that's when I knew it was serious. And I, he's he's not just out of his mind tonight. It isn't the champagne talking. <laughs> so we uh, we got married in May of 1989 and we we moved on to the boat a couple months later. And then we uh, decided that since we had the boat in Mexico is, of course, just over the border from San Diego and that we. We would take a few months and sail down to Baja, California, Mexico, and uh, we would spend a couple months down there. But once we started 
sailing down there and and we were just having the best time and we we hadn't yet run out of money that we weren't spending very much since we were living at anchor most of the time um that we would just keep going so we ended up there for a year and um we've pretty much been on boats ever since yeah it, it sounds rather romantic i rather like it and i think what i think what's interesting is my um my husband where i live i'm in the uk and, and mm-hmm. where I live, I live. If, if the UK is like a, a triangle, I live right on the bottom on the south coast. And my right. husband's kind of from the middle of the country, and he's from Oxfordshire. We thought that was a very a big gap, you know, where he lived and where I lived. And people right. said, "Oh, it'll never work out because he's too far <laughs> away." So my point to anybody listening: if if it's if you really love somebody, you you'll close that gap, whether it's from Ox- it's- Oxford to Bournemouth or. <laughs> You know, your incredibly big gap. And I think that's what love is about, really, isn't it? You just find a way. It is. Yeah, lovely. it is. Well, and 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 as anyone who has ever read any Jane Austen or Thomas Hardy would know, Bournemouth to wherever, you know, there's always someone that shows up again out of the blue, whether they're coming in with their duffel bag from the sea or whatever. Star-crossed lovers are meant to be together. Yes, we absolutely. Know that. I, I absolutely, we know that. We know that. And uh, it, it's interesting because you're on the boat. Now, I have a little right. tiny bit of experience on boats because uh, oh, when, I, when I was a young woman, when I wore a younger woman's clothes and had a younger woman's ha- hairdo <laughs> and much less wrinkles, I used to work on the cruise liners. Huh? And uh, and and I did that for, for se- several years. And uh, And so I'm used to the very big ships. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then my husband and I, we like to travel on narrow boats. So we quite often take mm. narrow boats across the canal network oh, within Britain. And that's I would love great, to do that. Great fun. But you see, your boat from the picture, I'm guessing that's a sailboat. You see, I think I'd have seasickness with that. Did you suffer at all when you began? And did you get your sea I legs? did. Yeah. I did. Yeah. And it was it was um it was a very good beginning because when we left San Diego, um, there was many there were many places to anchor in the first few days after leaving San Diego, um, and so we would stop each night. And each night, I would you know I didn't really get sick, but I wasn't feeling like great during the day, um, and so I wouldn't eat. And this by the time I'd get in, I was starving, <laughs> ready to you know eat and then fall asleep. Um, so that went well. And then we had an overnight voyage, and we got out to the to these little islands and that was all good um i i did my first overnight passage you know on a solo watch as you know you know and and that sort of thing and so that was a big turning point in my sailing life but unfortunately when we started heading back to shore from those islands you're crossing the sea and for those who don't know you know the boat going forward and you know is is uh pitching and the boat going side to side is yawing Rolling. so yeah. when you combine the two is when your inner yes. ear says i can't that's deal it. with this that's it. and that yeah. was it yeah. that's the one so Awful. mostly doesn't happen to people on cruise ships because they're so big you oh, know, it does. It does. But I it, had but terrible it can. seasickness. But it can. Terrible seasickness. It can. Yeah. You know, so so yeah. most people don't have that problem. Yeah. But yes, on this little boat, I did indeed. And and especially once we came to the bottom of the peninsula, that is Baja, California, and we're coming up into the inner sea. It's it's um, it's an inland, you know, a gulf. And so we were heading north into northerly seas. So it was bashing and also rolling. And, and that definitely got me sick. But it did become something that I became used to and um, not being seasick, but <laughs> being on the boat. And eventually my inner ear, I think, just gave up the ghost and said, OK, fine. You know, we, we give up. 
yeah. and I stopped being seasick. I also learned to steer, which anybody that's ever out on a sailboat, that's something that is really helpful because people say, look at the horizon, but you only do that for a while and then you forget or you want to go below, which is the worst thing to do. Um, so if you're steering, you concentrate on something else. Um, and then you also have a tendency to keep your eyes level. So those two things com in combination are really helpful. And it's the last thing you think you want to do but it's very, very helpful. So if you're on a small boat, say, Captain, let me steer. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, well, they wouldn't let me steer, steer the cruise no, ship. No, no. And, I, and I'm, getting, I'm getting ship. better at doing the barge, but I'm not really, my spatial thing is awful. I remember writing home to my dad, who was still living then when I was young. And um, and I said, oh, you know, I've got terrible seasickness and everything. And my dad wrote back and said, don't worry. There's only two stages to seasickness. He said, the first stage is, you think you're going to die. And the second stage is you wish you bloody had. <laughs> exactly. So, so that's I just remember it. Feeling but it's funny how your body adjusts and you get used it to does. it. But anyway, it does. So your book, um, Honeymoon at Sea, you're you're talking obviously about all these all these things, and and I'm guessing it wasn't all plain sailing then, Jen. Did did you no. what was the Oh, I don't know. Do you want to tell me the worst yeah. thing? Is that a spoiler? Or? <laughs> well, no. I'm, I mean, really, you actually picked one of the worst things. I mean, that when I was seasick and it was rough, it was it was rough, and I was definitely I was definitely ready to just press the button. Where's the button that makes it stop? You know, and and yeah. he would just say like, you know, go below, lie down. That's the that's all you can do. And he just kept steering for me and and steering the boat and taking care of everything. And I felt so guilty. You know, I felt like such a terrible. Partner, you know, as if I could help it, which of course I couldn't. Um, and, you know, certainly we were in storms, but I think, that, you know, in a lot of ways, the hardest thing was once everything settled out and we were in all these beautiful places and uh, I was on one level completely enjoying myself and thinking, what a great change this is from snowy New York. Um, is I, I just was, I didn't know what to do with myself. You know, I, 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 I was an actor who was 3,000 miles away from where I lived um, and 3,000 miles away from anything, you know, classes, auditions, people that I knew, everything, and hundreds of miles from everybody in California. And so I thought, what am I going to do? You know, what am I whatever. <laughs> What am I going to do other than, I mean, you can only swim and sun and that sort of thing so much. So I, I started writing. I had been writing in my journals from the time that we moved on to the boat because it seemed like a nautical thing to do to have a log. You know, <laughs> we did this today. And um, so I started going back and saying, well, that's an interesting section. I could write something about that. I'd always written as a kid um, and I kind of let it go, you know, um, as you know as you concentrate on trying to make a living. And so I just started, you know, expanding these into little stories and essays. And and gradually over the course of the year, I began to feel like this was, you know, sort of what I was meant to do. Um, and of course, you know, 34 years later, it's clear that I was <laughs> supposed to do this. Um, that led to my career as an editor. But there was a certain amount of angst, I guess you'd say, um, you know, from beyond things like seasickness and storms and sort of like, who am I and what am I going to do when I grow up? Do you always write nonfiction? 
You know, I wrote quite a bit of nonfiction. I've written a handful of short stories, and I've also written a novel that is in a drawer. And my husband and I have written a couple of screenplays together. He teaches screenwriting. And so we've written a couple of screenplays. I really am drawn to memoir. Um, I love reading it, and I like writing it. And so I'd had a couple of things published that were factual and stories and articles about this is what I'm doing on this boat. But I'd also had some that were more creative nonfiction. So I I like both very much. And I and I and I edit both. I edit both fiction and nonfiction. So I'm I'm drawn to both and just completely different ways but yeah. I, I, I think it's in- interesting how you know when you've been a former actress where you're putting uh-huh. yourself into somebody else's yes. is skin I think that's quite a good start when you're writing because that's what you're doing all the time you're standing in another person's shoes your fictional shoes you know if you like so that people Precisely. can um, can you know respond to that so perhaps perhaps you write, write a bit more fiction later on Yes, I, I, I'm actually interested in getting back to this. Um, it, the problem with being an editor is that you never think your writing is ready. Um, because, you know, one is that my day job is working on other people's writing. So on a day off, that's the last thing I want to do is edit my own writing. Um, so that's just a, 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 you know, like a busman's holiday type of thing. Um, so that's problematic. But more than that, it's that, um, as you say, you know, that wanting to do something where you're becoming someone else, you know, as opposed to thinking about me and my life, you know, and that sort of thing. Um, when I'm as an escape from me and my life, <laughs> writing about it is, you know, so um, I do look forward to writing more fiction. And I've had a few short pieces of fiction published, but but nothing. Uh, n- this novel is kind of hangs over my head like I know I can do it but um I, I would love to be someone like Ann Patchett that writes you know brilliant fiction and then turns around and writes memoir that's just as interesting mm. um that that to me is really quite quite amazing yeah I, th- I think that is quite amazing I'm I'm always in the world of make-believe I'm I'm you know, I mean I write magazine articles and stuff like that which right. is I suppose blog posts and blah 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 mm-hmm. people ask you to mm-hmm. do things and and I suppose that's I suppose that's nonfiction in a way, but I I don't think I could ever write long form nonfiction. Right, yeah, no, right. I don't think that's where I'm coming from because I think I'm always yeah. um, there's always a dragon in the cupboard for me. I've always got something going on. You know what I mean? <laughs> Stuff just comes out of the woodwork. You know, and I, can't, I just can't stay on the on on a normal well, path. You know. Interestingly enough, something I came across today is. My actual first journal, it says 1989, Daily, and it's got, you know, I mean, it was just page after page of just little, you know, uh, what happened today. And there are, there are six of these. Lovely. Lovely This is what, yeah, and this is what became this memoir. And I think sometimes people think, well, I have this, you know, this journal or this, uh, you know, people went through a health problem or a marital crisis or a, or any number of career things. And they think, oh, I've got a memoir here because I wrote it all down. But of course, that's only the jumping off place. And so much work comes after that, of course. Yeah, because um, we've always got to but, think of the reader and how the reader's going to respond yes, to whatever it exactly. is you're putting down. Yeah. Yes. It can't be, I did this and I did this and I did this for 250 pages. It has to have an arc. As a matter of fact, exactly. funny enough, I yeah, I was teaching a class once and someone, I was talking about story arc and structure. And someone said, well, this doesn't matter for me because I write nonfiction. I went, oh, honey. 
you absolutely do need to have a structure to a nonfiction book because otherwise people will put it down. You know, non nonfiction without a structure is like a reference book, you know. I mean it's a dictionary. <laughs> no yeah, one yeah. wants no one wants to read even a, you know, a story about Benjamin Franklin, you know, that isn't written well, that doesn't draw you in and that doesn't have a, an arc and a structure to it. So there was much work between that stage. But what a what a treat to come across them and think, wow, that's where it all began. You know, me jotting down these things at the end of the night when I could hardly keep my eyes open <laughs> where we went, what we did. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 always good, I think, to keep a record of, you know, even oh. if it's just a it's just a couple of sentences. So so you'll I've read it obviously I've had a little look at your bio and all your bits and pieces. Yeah. And and I see that your husband is also creative. He's also you know a screenplay writer that you the as as well and he's he um he's an artist yes mm-hmm. yeah and um so you're living in quite a small space now when my husband retired two years ago I was pretty much ready to kill him to be honest <laughs> and I I live in quite a big I live in quite a big house <laughs> and I have my own office here as you can see right and it's all very right. nice and yet I found having somebody around all the whole time mm-hmm. I I found that pretty tricky and we get on really well with right. 35 years we're absolutely right. lovely you know but I found it hard so what advice would you give people that are living and working together in a small space <laughs> what do you think how well, do you get how do you get through that <laughs> yeah one of them is just literally luck like you say you know that that you do get along with somebody so well and that you share common interests and have a common outlook of course that's something somebody can't make happen um it and some of them are just things you know mother told you you know pick your battles bite your tongue yes. you know you don't need to win every um you know uh altercation you know sometimes in both of us of course do this just as both of any happily married couple does there are times you just say okay we're gonna let that go um so there's that some of it is just practical the fact that both of us do creative things from the boat sounds like it would be a problem in other words an additional problem but it's actually a a a very helpful thing because my husband teaches um, online, but he also writes. So he'll, you know, be doing his class and then he'll switch to working on his novel. I'll be doing uh, classes or I'll be working on somebody's editing book and then, uh, you know, editing their book. And then I go on to my work in progress. And by the time it's happy hour, we're happy to see each other. We don't feel like we've been in each other's space all day long. You know, when we go out and take a hike or spend the day together, of course, that's wonderful, but doesn't happen all day, every day that we're together. So when we get together at the end of the day, you know, have a beer, talk about life, maybe watch a movie, have dinner, you know, all of those things are, you know, the time that we are together. The days that are tough are days when you're interacting all day long as we were on this trip, because sailing is very you know, when there's two people, you have to be somewhat collaborative. You know, you can't have Mm. a discussion about everything. Uh, Naturally, I didn't know much about sailing when we took off. Um, So in in that case, he was just would say, do this. And I would say, sure, because I didn't know. Now I know enough to Now you've got an opinion. That's an old woman thing, though, isn't it? I've got an opinion. I've got much more of an opinion than I had to start with. Oh, my goodness, yes. And and we're just like you at 34 and um, we'll be 35 years in May. So there has been a lot of water under that bridge as far as 
opinions shared. But I think most of the time, it's just stepping back and taking a look at that big picture. You know, I'm with the person I want to be with. He's with the person he wants to be with. And we just, you know, move on. And the big thing that has been a huge help in the last year, noise-canceling headphones. (laughs) Yes. Absolutely. Yes. Uh, Me too. Yes. Noise cancelling headphones are a a gift from the gods. Yes. From the gods. Sometimes I put them on. I'm not even listening to something because people think I am. They leave me alone. He writes to music. So he puts on the noise cancelling headphones and listen to music. So he can't literally hear me unless I go and you know, tap him on the arm or maybe shout. Um, And that means that I can listen to whatever I want, you know, like look at a video or whatever without having to worry about, or I put in my ear pods if, you know, if it's something that's going to be loud. So we're in literally, we're in these other worlds and then we get together and it's like, oh, hi, how are you? (laughs) How lovely. Good afternoon. Yeah. I think it's good (laughs) if you're both busy because you see, I think you could could probably write another book about you know yes. how how to uh you know how to get along oh, yeah. you know is in a long long marriage and I think if you're both busy now my husband's got his yeah. own interests you know he, he rides a motorbike he fishes he paints he does all sorts of things and, uh, and so he's he's off doing his own thing now he's settled into the retirement and he's getting on with what he wants to do uh, and, and we're the same we we're we're busy all day and then we come we we get together right. for meals and then you know you get together in the evening and then occasionally i'll have a day off and then we'll go off and go and right take the do a little somewhere. do a day do a have day a trip a, yeah that's right. it and have a, have a bit of a, right. bit of a bit of a jolly we call it have a jolly and oh, have a jolly out. i like we'll it. have a little jolly yes it's always saying you have a little, little jolly darling and, uh, like and that's it. and that's delightful but i think because we're not in each other's pocket the whole yep. time but then you're physically yes. near each other do yes. you work in the same room we sometimes do. Um, our current boat is 35 feet, which is, as anyone knows, small for a sailboat, um, but it's not as small as the boat that we were on for, for many years um, that that I've written about. Um, that is a very small boat. A 26-foot boat is extremely small, and he couldn't even stand up straight in the cabin um, of that boat. And so, But you're outside a lot, and especially in Mexico, because mm. it was warm. Beautiful. So you're literally, it's kind of like camping, where you don't think, oh, this little tent, this won't be any fun. Well, because you're outside. You don't go, you know, hopefully you don't go camping in a tent when it's snowing, you know, I mean, unless you're some sort of, you know, uh, Olympic, Arctic you know, or whatever. Or yeah, yes. adventure yeah. thing. But for most most people, it's okay. It's the it's the lake or the stream or the mountains or the whatever. So being on a boat is a lot like that. The tent is small, but the outdoors is big. So we never yeah. felt like we were crowded. And once again, you know that there were in our own little worlds a lot of the time. Um, and so you know, it's it's uh, in, unless we're off on a jolly. I love that. I'm never yeah. going to stop saying that. Good, good. <laughs> yeah, one thing from this podcast: some, some daft English saying, exactly. Well, we we met some we met some English people actually in in the in the book. I talk about this couple that we met that came from England, and we ran into them in Baja there, and we ended up palling around with them quite a bit. And um, she was very British, and he was an American that had been living in Britain for like forty years or something. So that was really interesting because they had. Had a totally different way of doing things and looking at things, and she just had that wonderful accent like you. That I, I, I just always was, you know, because I studied acting. I'm always wanting to pick up people's accents. That's ah, terrible. yes. Are you are you a good mimic? 
I think I am. Um, it, she had this. You're going to do me, me in a minute, aren't you? When you no, go back in a to minute, talk to yeah. your husband. <laughs> she, she, Chris taught me. Eh, hell yeah. She'd eh, say, hell "This yeah. is the yeah. this is the the upper crust way," you know. Of the eh, hell yeah. And so yeah. we would we would go we'd run into her in the morning, and there we are in some dusty little you know Mexico pueblo. It's like, eh, hell yeah. How yeah. is it? Oh, lovely. That's just absolutely stunning. You know, we're off on a jolly. And uh, that sort of thing. But I have trouble with certain ones. You know, we ran into a lot of um, Australians and that's really difficult for me. You know, it's, it's, you know, substituting different sounds and that sort of thing. Like instead of Loretto, they say Loretto, you know, and just it was it was difficult for me. I would entertain Russell with things like, you know, Valley Girl, like, oh, my God, you guys, this is so pretty. And <laughs> yeah. yeah, it is just, fascinating. When I when I was young and I was traveling and they used to say, oh, say something to us in British and I used to say in British. Buckingham Palace cup of tea anyone for tennis which <laughs> make them make the Americans laugh but uh, but because I'm actually I sound posh to you but I'm actually slightly northern twang on my mm-hmm. if, you, if you really know English accents my, oh, I've got a, I've oh, got a yeah. slightly northern twang which is where I'm from really so no I wouldn't I my wouldn't husband said... my husband speaks because he's from Oxfordshire he speaks <sighs> very nicely so I, I okay. I'm, I'm a little bit common actually <laughs> no I wouldn't have thought you were I wouldn't have thought you were a what is it tough you know I, I wouldn't have said that you know not too posh not too posh that's it exactly it's uh, lovely yeah, somewhere somewhere in the middle anyway yes. back to the writing so um so what's next for you obviously a huge project right now is is marketing the book because as everyone knows you know this is all. oh my yes. god yeah. um and you're right there with me we're just you know out there trying to you know get more and more people to you know take a look and that sort of thing um got my Kirkus review today which was pretty good not as good as I would have liked um and uh, got some wonderful reviews um so far so hopefully we'll just keep doing that and things like this where I can reach out and find a new audience and I'm going to be doing some talks so that'll help so marketing is the big thing now and then I'll be going back to I'm doing a nonfiction book which is um editing for writers because after 25 years of editing i've got a few tricks i think um that will be helpful to people so before they spend a lot of money on an editor they can say have i done this have i done that you know or these things to think about and it'll cover some things like query letters and and marketing as well so i've I've been working on that quite a bit and then hopefully i'll get back to that novel again um and and see if i can make it behave make it yeah. come to a to yeah. fruition eventually i'm i'm always writing something but right now i've been as you were saying mostly you know blog posts and guest blogs and and that sort of thing so by the end of the day by the end of my work day the last thing i want to do is say okay now i'll write some creative writing no yeah. i don't think so yeah i think it's very true and i think the marketing especially sort of the first couple of months that your book's out there you've really got to push it through yes and, uh, and i've been the same in fact i've been i've been not so bad these last couple of days but i've been really truly tired because i'm trying to write the next one because i'm yes. writing a trilogy yes. so i'm nearly at oh. the end of the of the second book i've got like a couple of thousand words to you know i finished my first draft so I'm, I'm really pressing on with that and it's very with me this book i'm very mm-hmm. I'm in the in the thick of it and i'm i'm, I'm flowing through i'm in a good flow but of course there's other things to do you know there's the marketing there's the ads yes. there's, a, yes. there's the bits and pieces and then of course i do this podcast just for fun like i've got enough to do um because but, all you needed was something else to do i just love the podcast though i i really adore talking to great all idea you diff- all you different it's a lovely and idea I, and I just i just do it for the love of it really. yeah 
because it's yes. there's never a, there's never one yet that I've I thought that wasn't really fascinating. Every wow, you know, I've put into so many different. I'm on episode. You'll be, I think, you'll be episode sixty four or sixty five. So it's a lot now. You know, I've had Excellent. a lot of people through my through my ears now. That's and great. It's, and well, it's that's I'm fascinating. I'm, and I'm glad I can bring your podcast to a whole new audience because, of course, I'll be putting it out on my Substack and my Facebook page and other people listen to it and re- recommend it. And I think this is what's so fascinating about this business is yes. that really, and I, and you've seen this on TikTok and so have I, and, and is that everyone that loves books loves hearing about people who write people who read, people Mm -hmm. who are in that creative process. And every time it's fascinating. Like you say, there's never one where I go like, oh, that guy's story of how he got his book done wasn't that interesting. They're every one. It's like every love story is different. Or what's the Tolstoy line? You know, every happy family is the same and every unhappy family is unhappy in a different way. But everybody that gets the book out, it's like a love story. How did you meet? How did you meet your publisher? How did you find where you were going to publish? Or how did you discover? You know, so each one is its own little fascinating story. So it's, it, I think it's a great idea for a podcast. Yeah. And I think these days in the world of social media and, you know, all this stuff, the podcasting and all the different social media um, platforms is I, I think writers very much um, reach out to each other and yes. and give each other a hand you know we, we're, we're very supportive of each other um, and, and it doesn't matter I mean on this podcast I I have you know traditionally published authors and um, in, you know um, lots of in, indies, independent right? independent authors like myself and and some people that are actually quite famous that I've just kind of mm-hmm. thought oh yeah she looks nice or he looks nice and I've just sent them a thing and they've come on and then when I've looked through their stuff I've thought actually oh actually you're quite famous <laughs> and I'm like but I've just you know it's just been fine how, how do you manage the challenge of getting internet and that kind of thing well we do um a hotspot which is um comes from our cellular signal so anywhere that we can get a cell signal that powers this little hotspot so it's basically like having three cell phones we've each got a phone and then we've got this little hotspot and the hotspot runs this but right now i do have it up the mast <laughs> yes, <laughs> because sometimes yeah, sometimes when you come into an anchorage or a marina, um, you'll find that you're only getting two or so bars and it isn't steady enough for something like this. So we put it in a little thing and we we lift it up on the mast so that it gets like 10 feet above the ground. Um, and so that 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 gives it a little bit better antenna because it, it doesn't have one of those special antennas. Some of them are like thousands of dollars that they have built-in antennas and that sort of thing. So... <laughs> It's, it's, I mean, you can do lots of different things. We haven't done the, the um, satellite phone and all of those other links that they have now. So we're just doing the cell phone link and so far so good. Um, It hasn't been a problem. Every now and then it'll, it'll slow down and be really weird. (laughs) Yeah. But, but, but most of the time you can, you can get it together. Yes. It's been great. Yeah, Thank yeah. You. Well, this yeah. is a really good connection, and, and I've had I've had Excellent. worse worse kind of feedback with people just sitting in a room, you know. So it's it's right. it's it's sounding pretty good. Well, my my husband told me to buy this um, microphone, which has been a really good thing. It's called a Yeti X, Yeti Blue X. In case somebody uh, yes. cares, yes, I I was using a Yeti Blue X. I've just I've just slightly upgraded because I'd like to do the audio book for my 
latest thing. And so I, this one um, is apparently it's supposed to cut out some of the background noise or fuzziness. Right. But but I really don't know how it works. But my daughter's a sound engineer, and ah. she's she's home. She's going to stay with us next week because she's working in a theatre near us. And so um, I'm going to get her to configure it for me because oh, it's working cool. fine for this. But when you're doing like an audiobook, it's got to be a much right sound right yeah i just i just um i did the audiobook for my um for the the book the audiobook of of honeymoon at sea i recorded in a in a in an actual studio i actually went to a sound studio and uh it was wonderful but uh, yeah i would have loved to have been able to set it up but we just thought on the boat because we have to move the boat you have to move everything um but i know someone who does a podcast and she's been doing it for years from her home and she just you know like you um and she does a radio show so you know i think nowadays we have such good technology but your daughters in theater like legitimate theater sound that's pretty cool Yes, yes, she's she's clever too. She just comes mm-hmm. in and she's she makes me a patch. I've got a a sibilance which you can't hear because oh. I've got a patch on it. So it, it, it takes out my crooked teeth. Yeah. So she said, Oh mum, you've got a do you know you've got sibilance? And she just made this thing and stuck it in the computer and it's marvelous. Wow. So, you know, so she does lots of funny things. I mean, I don't even understand it on an on oh. any level. So uh so Jennifer, where can people find you online and find your book? Well, the book is available everywhere. So, you know, wherever you normally buy books, um, if you want to support your local independent bookseller, or if you want to go to the the online monsters, there it's, it's everywhere. Um, but as far as following me, I'm the only Jennifer Silver Redmond on Facebook to this point. So you can find me there. I also have a Substack newsletter now. Um, so if you go to Substack and look for Honeymoon at Sea. I named it after the book. Um, you can also just Google honeymoon at sea and um, you'll see a few things about how to take your honeymoon in Fiji or something. But other than that, it's all me. So yeah, <laughs> I think good. it was a fairly unique name, which was very helpful. I had no idea how helpful that would be. The yeah. fact that there aren't five other honeymoon at sea books or, or publications, that was actually l- dumb luck. But yeah. I loved the title. Yeah, no, and actually, when I put you, when I looked you up, I put the link straight into the show notes ready, um, and and there you were. It was easy to put them in. I found you straight away, so it was good. Yes. So yes, yeah, so have a look for that. But anyway, Jenny, thanks for coming on. It's been great talking to you. Thank you, DJ. This has been a pleasure. I really appreciate it, and and I'm so glad to be talking to the UK and vice versa. And uh, we we've got international relations going here. Thanks again. So that was Jennifer Silver Redmond. And as usual, all the notes are in the show notes. Uh, And I think that's a podcast first, interviewing somebody on a boat. Uh, What an interesting life. Uh, I don't think I could live in such close quarters with my own husband, lovely as he is. I think I don't think I could cope at all. Uh, I'm somebody I need a bit of physical space around me, that's for sure. Uh, you know, although I was sort of, you know, I, great the way she they get around it and obviously use headphones and all that kind of thing. And um, I suppose if you have to, you just have to get on with it. Um, yes. So anyway, interesting stuff. Good for Jennifer and wish her lots of luck with her with her memoir. Um, so next week, who's next week? Well, well, next week, my guest is Dare Delano. And uh, she is uh, an award winning children's author, but she's just written um, her new book, which is a literary fiction um, which features some very strong women, and um, it's called Abilene. So come and have a listen next week to hear Dare Delano talk about her 
latest work. Um, so that's it from me for this week. I hope you have a good week. If you're writing, I hope you get lots done. And uh, if you're reading, I hope you read lots of books. I hope you read my book. <laughs> okay. If you want to find me, you can find me on uh, djbowmansmith.com. If the show notes don't come up wherever you've downloaded this podcast or you're listening on an app or something, um, you can find them on that website. There's a link there with all the little bits and pieces. And uh, just as an aside, you can, in fact, um, download the Podbean app if you wanted to. And it's got, you know, obviously my podcast on it, the words and pictures, but it's got lots of nice podcasts and the app is free to download if you want it on your phone. So I just thought I'd mention that. So happy days. Okay, so that's it then. Until next time. Bye bye.